Welcome to Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, a podcast dedicated to helping modern-day believers live out the teachings of the first century church. This podcast is part of the teaching ministry of Dr. David K. Bernard. Dr. Bernard has dedicated his life to studying the Bible and helping believers apply its message to their daily lives. In Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, Dr. Bernard answers your questions about what the Bible teaches and how those teachings apply to everyday life. Thank you for joining us for this broadcast. Recently on social media, you made the comment that based on God's justice and love, we believe there is an individual age of accountability and a gracious plan for aborted babies, infants, children, the mentally challenged, and others who can't respond to the gospel. Now, those words undoubtedly bring a lot of comfort to parents, for example, who've lost their children. But what scriptural evidence would you offer for that statement? Let me say that I'm not basing this on a a, a definite, clear, unambiguous teaching of a specific verse, but on the principles of God's word, our understanding of God's justice and mercy. Now, as sinful human beings, our sense of justice is flawed. We can't always trust it. But I do believe our sense of justice came from God because we're created in the image of God. So to some extent, we can rely on that sense of what is right, fair, and just. And regardless of what we think, I will simply say this, God is both just and merciful. So I absolutely trust that whatever God does is right, that he will be just. And whenever it's appropriate to provide mercy, God will provide mercy. So I have confidence in that. And of course, the Bible doesn't give us everything we want to know. It tells us what we need to know. And we might ask, well, why doesn't it tell us so clearly about babies or children? Well, maybe if the Bible gave any specific thing, we would feel like we didn't have much of a responsibility. So if the Bible said, well, until age five or 10 or 15 or 20, then we might not feel compelled to teach young children. Or we might not be so concerned about abortion or uh, death of small children. But because the Bible doesn't say it puts the responsibility to, on us to care for every human being before, during, after birth and childhood, that we're not to neglect anyone. But from the time uh, we first are able to an infant, teach them about God, even before they can comprehend or even before they can speak, start talking about God, start praying with them so that from the earliest times they will have some recognition of God. But I do believe, based on principles of God's word, that God would not hold someone accountable for sin if they're not aware of sin, if they're not able to consciously understand right and wrong repentance and faith, then God would not hold them accountable. You might say, well, how can, if they're born in sin, but I also will say Jesus Christ died for the whole world. So Titus 2.11, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, to everyone. So in some way, grace goes to every human being. And for those of us who are aware, Romans 1 says everybody has a witness of God in creation, so they're without excuse. Romans 2 says everyone has a witness of God in conscience. So when they think with their own conscience, their own thoughts will either excuse them or condemn them. Well, think about this. Both of those passages that talk about God speaking to every human through creation and conscience talk about people not having an excuse, being accountable. Well, if a person's not 
old enough or doesn't have the mental capability of understanding the witness of God in creation or the witness of God in conscience, then the implication would be, well, they wouldn't be accountable. And in fact, Romans 5, 13. So Romans 5 says everyone is born in sin and that we have redemption through Jesus Christ. But Romans 5, 13 makes an interesting statement that says sin is not imputed when there is no law. Now, it's speaking in the context Every human is sin. So even if they don't have the law, say the law of Moses or any other law, their own conscience will condemn them. But there's an implication. God will not hold you guilty of breaking the law of Moses if he didn't give you the law of Moses. So God will hold you accountable for what you did know and what you did or didn't do. God will hold you accountable for what your conscience told you. Even if your conscience is flawed, you have some basic knowledge. You know, every human society has always known it's wrong to kill other human beings without cause, without just cause. Every human society has known that it's right to take care of children. Um, every, even every child knows it's right to play fair. So there's some basics that we all have, and we can be held accountable for that. But Romans 5 indicates God will not hold you accountable for something he didn't give you. So he has given us enough in conscience to hold us as adults accountable. But he's not going to re- require everything in the Bible of someone who didn't know. Now, that doesn't mean people have a way of getting saved without the gospel. It's just saying God is going to be fair. When he shows that you're a sinner, it will be on the basis of what you knew and what you did or didn't do. And that will be a just base, basis for condemning everyone. Except what about those that, I, that we've already mentioned? So there's an implication if they didn't have a law given to them, they would not be accountable for that law. Well, how could they be saved without the gospel? What I would argue, we don't know how God's going to deal with it, but whoever is saved is going to be saved by the gospel in the sense that Jesus Christ died for them. So no, they won't be saved without Christ, but the Bible does say Jesus Christ died for the whole world. Now, how will that apply? Will will say an infant who dies will uh, you know, will they be allowed to grow up in the millennium and make a choice then? Uh, will they be brought into heaven as children uh, perpetually? Or will they be allowed, you know, we don't know. But I do believe God has a plan based on what I just said. Now, some people say, well, what about, uh, you know, people, the children who died in the flood? Well, yes, you know, children do suffer for their parents' sin in this life. But just because they drown in the flood, does that mean they go to the lake of fire as well? That, that's not what the scripture says. So now, a, a little more specificity. There's an interesting story in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 22 through 23, and it's David, and his infant baby died. And it, was a, it seemed to be a judgment of God because of his sin uh, with Bathsheba, because this was their first child. And so while the child was still living, he fasted and prayed and was hoping that God would reverse the judgment and heal the child. So when the child died, uh, the, the servants were expecting the worst. He said, oh, no, David is already in mourning and grieving, won't eat and, and looking horrible. Now when he finds out the child's dead, he's going to go crazy. But when they told him the child died, he got up. He washed, dressed, and went about his normal life. They said, how come? He said, well, 
as long as the child was alive, I could pray and hope that he would be restored. But, you know, God has made his decision. The child has died. He will not come to us, but I will go to him. So it seems that David had some hope that he would meet his child in the afterlife. Now, that is not a, a clear statement of salvation, but it is an indication of what godly people thought about a child who died. Also, Isaiah seven sixteen talks about children who before the age of knowing good and evil, right and wrong. Now, I, and for, for this reason, uh, the Jewish people over the years have de- developed this tradition of the bar mitzvah and the bat mitzvah so that after the child turns age 12, then now they're accountable. They're bar mitzvah, son of the law, literally. So now you're accountable to obey the law. Now, the Bible doesn't give any specificity. Of course, at Jesus at age 12, there's a story where he clearly knew his mission and so forth. Uh, but I, I don't think the Bible gives us a, a definite age for a good reason, because a child that is raised in the godly home may be capable of understanding repentance and even receiving the Holy Spirit at a very early age, whereas a child not raised in that environment wouldn't be. Now, I don't necessarily mean that the, uh, think that the age at which a child raised in a Pentecostal home receives the Holy Ghost, that would automatically be an age of accountability. So the age of receiving the Holy Ghost may be earlier than what God would say is the absolute mark of where you're accountable for fully understanding your sinful condition. So all those questions I'm going to have to leave in the hands of God. I don't think we can establish an age. Our job is from the earliest ages to teach the truth. But if a small child dies, we have hope that God has a plan for them. And I think that's sufficient. Now, 1 Corinthians 7 talks about if you're married to an unbeliever, then the believer can sanctify the unbeliever and the children will be holy. Some have created doctrine that if the parents are lost, the children will be lost. If the parents are saved, the children will be saved. I don't think that follows from that passage. What that passage is, because then it would be indicating that an unsaved spouse would somehow get saved by their parents by their spouse. So I don't think one person's holiness can save another person. We, it can't even save our, ourselves. We're saved by the grace of God anyway. But I don't think um, that is what follows. I think 1 Corinthians 7 is simply stating the obvious thing that if there's a believer, a believing parent, they sanctify that home. They have a an influence of holiness in that home. Even one parent can help lead children into a relationship with God. But I do believe that uh, that babies, children who die, they are covered by the grace of God. And I just base that on my trust in the justice and mercy of God as revealed in Scripture. Thank you for listening to this episode of Apostolic Life in the 21st Century. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment to give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We also appreciate it when you share apostolic life in the 21st century with a friend or family member. Finally, join us again next time as we look at how the Bible applies to everyday life.